Hey guys, and welcome to our third episode of Whining Over Motherhood. In today's episode, I am bringing you the second part of my conversation with Mari Vega. In the first part, we heard about Mari's first birth story and her traumatic experience that stemmed from that birth. Today, we're going to hear how that shaped her to be fierce motherhood advocate that she is today. So join me for this second part of this conversation. Now, what changed during your second? So before I was even pregnant again, I was already aware that there were options for VBAC, vaginal birth after cesarean, and that I wanted to look into that. We also had moved to New Jersey, so we were no longer in the city. So I was excited to start interviewing doctors and all that. And so I had also found a lot of groups in the area that like were midwives and things like that, which by the way, I think I just counted midwives my first time because I was like, they're not doctors. Like, all right. I mean it's for a reason Alex it's for a reason that they're not doctors like they must not be good at their job like you should just go with a doctor which by the way I learned right in the 1800s that's a marketing tactic that they use to to get people to stop using midwives because midwives were actually like the end-all be-all of birth so I learned that you know midwives are the only people who really witness a body go through its natural state of labor and delivery because doctors just come in and catch the baby. Mm-hmm. Like my doctor was, my doctor was not there for anything. The nurses were there. The doctor just came in when it was time for me to push. Mm-hmm. And um, so of course they wouldn't know what natural labor and delivery looks like. That's not what they're trained for, you know? But if you go with a midwife, you can be assured that they're going to be able to identify what the natural process is and when you're not going through it, they will raise it to a doctor and you can trust that they will t- not put you in any danger. And that's something I just wish I had known the first time. And what do, I end up going what do you think mm-hmm. it would be for first time mothers um, be the right question to ask when it comes to midwife? Yeah, you wanna ask questions. Like I think people are so focused on the insurance that they're just like, I'm just gonna go with whatever my insurance covers. But a lot of midwives are starting to get really savvy and mine particularly, she had a, um, a full-time staff member on her team whose sole job was to figure out the right way to not charge you and to get paid from the insurance. So if they needed to bill in-network, that's what they would do. If they needed to bill out-of-network, that's what they would do. Like they would just do, they ha- they, she has a full-time staff person reading all the fine print in order to use your insurance to your benefit so that you can get that support and coverage. Isn't that crazy? That's how hard it is to get midwifery care. Okay, but in in your case, both of your births were, um, both of your pregnancies were normal. One of the yes. things that I always, that I, that I kind of like stopped me was the fact that when we find out that we were having twins, we were not planning to have one. Uh, one of the things that uh, my doctor told me, well, you have to go to a, a fetal maternal 
medicine doctor because you're a high mm-hmm. risk. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that stopped me from asking for a midwife. I do, I do know if birth at home, if you're a high risk pregnancy, you can because of liability. But what about midwife? Like they can do that too if you're a high risk pregnancy. So yeah, so not if you're high risk, but also I just want to place a small caveat is that, and I and I'm familiar with your personal story, so I understand why you were you know treated in that manner but there actually are midwives that do take twins twins is only uh-huh. considered high risk in certain circumstances and in fact i think puerto rico is a good example because puerto rico is not like a third world country it's basically part of the united states right and, mm-hmm. and interestingly enough my cousin had twins that she conceived through ivf as well um and she was giving birth two months after hurricane maria and the and, and like the whole issue was that they needed her to give natural birth because if she didn't the risk of doing a cesarean when the power would go off every 15 minutes in the hospital was super risky and my cousin went ahead and had natural birth how during those circumstances and without medicine I do not know but <laughs> it just goes to show you like like, you know, it's honestly, that was the opinion of your doctor. Your doctor deemed you high risk. You know what I mean? I also know women. I also know women who um, have had home births and have delivered a baby with their feet, feet first. Now that's not for everybody. And the midwife and the mother needs to know what they're doing. But I just share that because I want people to know, like, Okay. You, asked, you asked how to ask questions or what questions to ask, right? There's an acronym. It's called BRAIN. B, what are the benefits of, you know, working with you, of this procedure? Just what are the benefits of this medicine? Whatever it is. What are the risks? R, what are the risks? A, what are the alternatives? What happens if I don't do this? What happens if I make this decision later, right? I, what is your intuition telling you? Like, what's your gut telling you? Because your gut will tell you the energy you're reading in that office, that hospital, with that, from that person, way before it all comes to light, right? And, and negotiate. Negotiate. It's your body. It's your birth. It's your babies negotiate okay now that I understand the benefits and the risks it seems what you're telling me is you're more comfortable with this whereas I'm more comfortable with that what point can we negotiate what middle ground can we find here and no one's having conversations like that no and if the doctor is not willing to negotiate then go to next exactly bye and I actually (laughs) did exactly that I switched doctors three times in my second pregnancy how far along were you? I was. I because was that's about... the, that's the, that's the thing that once you are in in a long run, like let's say four or five months in, within your pregnancy, and you're mm-hmm. like, uh, uh-uh, I don't feel this doctor. You kind of mm-hmm. like stop because you don't want to go to a new doctor like half like halfway into your pregnancy. So, but that is actually allowed. And that is actually is necessary to do that. Yeah, interestingly enough, that's actually something that comes across. It's very taboo 
but it is very possible. I mean, sometimes depending on where you're giving birth and what city, you may not find people willing to take you later in your pregnancy. Uh Right. But that was not the case for me. I mean, my midwife told me. The war war here is pan if you don't, you're not comfortable. Right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And my midwife told me, she's like, girl people come here 38 39 weeks pregnant and i take them because they were disrespected somebody tried to plan their cesarean and they showed up at my door like will you take me and i do if you pass like the things i need and i see that you're not you know that you're someone i i think can can take an odd then yeah i take you so i was like all right girl thanks for letting me know i'm gonna i'm gonna go with this other doctor near my house i made the same decision as last time right I'm going to go with convenience. I went with convenience. Guess what that got me? That got me cursing out a doctor on Christmas Eve who told me that my paperwork had been filled out that I elected a cesarean. And I said, how is that possible from the minute I was pregnant? I have told you guys, I want a VBAC. Who put elected cesarean on my paperwork? you are so rude here. Like, that's it. I need to go. Like, it was just so bad. And I was 20, 22 weeks pregnant, either 20 or 22 weeks. And I spent the next three days cold calling a bunch of of doctors to see if they could take me um, based on my due date. And then researching the correlating hospital that they're a part of to understand people's opinions of that hospital. Not the hospital's marketing and uh, I found somebody and I went to interview her and I asked a million and one questions which all these questions are available to you on a wonderful website of an organization called ICANN which stands for International Cesarean Awareness Network and they have questions that you can bring to the doctor and to the hospital and to doulas as well Mm-hmm. See, see, these are the things that you don't know. Like, like, yeah, you know, exactly. Nobody takes the time. I, I believe that in UBGYN offices and maternal, fetal maternal uh, medicine offices, it, it, you know, the doctor sees so many women throughout the day that you are practically there for like waiting for like two hours and talking to the doctor for five minutes because he has to yeah. go to the and, and the next. That's and that's also the way the healthcare system has been created. So I'm not here to say that doctors are bad. I'm just here to say like, it's just a, it's an American problem, which goes back to my mission with Mari Vega. My mission one day would be to be able to do, bring some social justice to American parents because it, it, it's a, it's a United States problem. It's not individually that doctor who's doing that, you know, in some cases maybe, but not intentionally, I don't think. No, and, yeah, um, no. We we have to be clear. Yes, we're we're not we're not um we're not bashing doctors here. <laughs> no, we're not. Uh, please don't mm-hmm. be happy with your doctor. Good for you, but we, and we, I was... we do have to ask the right question. I, I think so. I think I think if I ever get pregnant again, I don't know. Um, you know, it it would be one of the things that I I honestly let me tell you something. After I learned that you were that you were really um, into the beat, like you wanted to have a beat back, mm-hmm. I actually went in there and I was like, oh, wait, 
it's not even a possibility. Like, I didn't know that you can actually have a natural birth after a cesarean because all you hear, and this is from from from, from my family, is that, oh, no, you have a C-section. You're going to have a C-section for life. How many babies are you having? Mm-hmm. Yeah. C-section yeah. Like, so when you started, you know, advocating for VDAC, and I was like, oh, you can do that. Like, you can actually have a natural birth after a C-section. And then I started reading about it, and you started educating us about it and I was like huh yeah I feel like a like a v-back unicorn (laughs) (laughs) no because it's one of the things that you don't think like and it comes and I think it comes down to our uh, the same thing our culture as well it's not just an an American thing it's also a, a Latino thing that you know you if by any chance or any reason, why a, a woman in your family goes with a C-section or a natural birth, that that's all you're going to do because that's all you hear. You don't hear about mm-hmm. these other options that you may have, um, you know, to birth in a different way. Like, I never knew that you can actually have a home birth or water yeah. birth. I, didn't, I never knew that there was actually cancer, uh, birth centers that are specialized in that. Well, actually... What's crazy is I actually did know that with my first, I did know that my coworkers, um, my coworkers sister-in-law was also pregnant when she, so I was pregnant. And then three months later, my coworker was pregnant and she was pregnant with her sister-in-law and her sister-in-law did go with midwives and she did go with a birthing center. And unfortunately her baby didn't make it. And so when you're pregnant and you hear a story like that, you mm-hmm. just that's it like that's that that feeds the narrative that midwives and birth centers and home births are dangerous it feeds the narrative right because if an emergency happens why wouldn't you be in the place that could take care of that emergency but here's the thing a safe birth gives you the indication that something's not going right way before the baby is in danger so a mom doesn't, the, the percentages and the odds of, you know, it going wrong and nobody having made like the executive decision to go to a hospital before that point are so low. If you have the right proper midwives with the right care, because these midwives, they have to have relationships with the hospitals. So if they're not doing things right with the hospital, they're not going to have the privilege to bring clients to that hospital and then they can lose their licenses and their privileges at certain hospitals so like they do have an incentive to do right by women it's not like they're out here causing tragedies yeah tragedies happen but like when was the last time that anyone was like hey why are black women dying the first year postpartum at 200 percent ish more than white women why is no one talking about that? That's way fucking worse than just here and there, a, you know, a situation happening with a midwife. So when you get super educated about your body, you'll realize like how terrible it is that you're not even getting support up until six weeks and that after that, no one cares about you. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. So actually finishing up my second birth story, um, I switched doctors and this doctor, she had a midwife that worked in her office and I was going to them and I was like, oh, great. I get to meet the midwife and the doctor. This is perfect. 
and there were so many red flags and I knew the questions to ask and I was asking them she was she was seemingly very um feedback friendly and the thing is that I want to tell you a terminology there's feedback friendly and then there's feedback tolerant feedback tolerant is where they tell you yes 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 and schedule your c-section just in case and feedback friendly is we support a woman's right to labor naturally and step in as needed. Mm-hmm. So when 35 weeks came around, right? 34, 35 weeks came around and they were like, let's schedule your C-section just in case. I called the midwives and had them call them and break up for me. And I switched doctors again at 35 weeks pregnant. Contemplating, <laughs> not showing up to your due date, Sorry, not showing up to your C-section date because it's a whole thing about whether or not you go into natural labor. So they're like, yeah. you either go into natural labor at 40 weeks or you're having a C-section. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the reality is you might be 40 weeks pregnant. You also might be 38 weeks pregnant. You're either two weeks up or two weeks below the due date. Uh-huh. So it's not that crazy to ask to wait another week or two. And... um I'll try to do the things I told you guys, the brain, right? And I got to negotiation and I asked for a certain date and they said, okay, to that certain date that I wanted. And then when the scheduler called me, she was like, that date doesn't work for the doctor. She has a conflict. So we're going to move it up. Let's just do it the day after your due date. And I was like, okay. And I hung up and that's it. I called the nurse. I called the nurses at the midwives and had them break up. Long story short. Uh, you know, four weeks later at 39 weeks and, you know, I think same thing, like 39 weeks and five days, I, my water broke and my birth, my labor was exactly like my first, (laughs) my water broke at the same time in the middle of the night and I labored at home and I had a doula this time and I read about, you know, um, gentle birthing techniques and I listened to hypnobirthing and I put essential oils and I labored in my shower with hot water on my back and doing goddess pose and in my zone and, you know, was taken to the hospital when I felt like I couldn't tolerate my pain anymore and I wanted an epidural and I, I finally, it's time to get the epidural. I'm seven, senior, seven centimeters dilated I'm losing my shit. I'm screaming like a crazy person in the hospital. I'm like, why did I do this? Why didn't I just get the C-section? Why did I do this? <laughs> and my husband's like, you better, you were so annoying. You better get this V-back. <laughs> and, and I'm just there like, oh my God. And I got my epidural. And I finally take a nap for two hours. And I wake up. And they're, you know, and they're putting me in certain positions that are that help you when you get an epidural and you're just on your back. You're not helping labor progress, which is what happened the first time too. So they have you on sideways with this peanut ball between your legs to help you. And, you know, they're just like, well, honey, whenever you feel like you're ready to push, whenever you feel it. And they just waited. Because another thing you don't know is once you're 10 centimeters, you should give your body time because your body to that part. And now your body's going to push the baby down. Like, you don't have to push right when you're 10. You should wait a little bit. And you should push when the woman feels the mm-hmm. urge to push. I never felt the urge when I first. I was just being told to push. So basically, those two hours were useless. Oh, no. So 
that I'm like, oh, I feel the urge. And what do I do? I start to make decisions based on my trauma. I push that epidural button because last time they didn't let me have epidural during my pushing, even though this is a new hospital, a different location, I'm with midwives and I push the button. And when I push the button, I get a wave of medicine and I can't feel anything. And when you can't feel, can't effectively push. So I basically paused my labor for like two hours because I couldn't feel. (laughs) So we just sat around waiting for me to feel. And I finally felt again. And the whole time, this entire time, my son's head is in my pelvis. And they're like, just keep pushing. Like, touch his head, touch his head. His head is right there. And in the movies, when you see, like, oh, the head is right there. The whole time, I'm like, the head is right there. The head is right there. This is happening. This is happening. This is so happening. (laughs) And then I kept pushing, and I kept pushing, and I kept pushing. And he was stuck in my pelvis, and it took three hours. Wow three hours and and when you hear that your baby's stuck in your pelvis for three hours that sounds so traumatic right yeah because you're thinking you're 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 like stopping the breathing for the baby i would i would have i I would have gone crazy i'll be like please take him out right right and because i had done all my research and because honestly he's my little champion because his heart rate did not suffer. That entire time, his heart rate was stable. Had his heart rate suffered, mm-hmm. I would have been in a C-section. Mm-hmm. But his heart rate was calm, cool, collected, which were all the birth mantras and affirmations that I like said to myself every single day of my pregnancy. And um, he was calm. And the doctor on call came in, someone I never met, and she was like, Hmm. if she doesn't give birth in the next 20 minutes I'm calling it a c-section and she walks out and she ruined the whole mood in my hospital room and by the way my hospital room happens to just so be full of women which by the way I had a hospital full of men last time right of all these students all these men it was full of all these wonderful women and the midwives had been texting their favorite doctor they have a favorite doctor because the doctor who was working in the hospital that day was not part of their practice. And the two doctors who are part of their practice weren't in. They were texting one of them, and her name is Jackie Smith. And guess what? She was a young black doctor. I remember the first time mm-hmm. that I wanted that young black doctor and I didn't go with her in the city. It just felt so right to me. So she, so I, I'm crying all my feelings out to make peace with the fact that I'm going to need a C-section, that I came all this way that my baby got stuck, that my body's just not made for this. I'm making peace with it, right? And in walks this doctor. And she's like, let me see. Oh, yeah, the baby's right there. Okay, mama, do I have your permission to do um, an episiotomy and a vacuum assist? And I was like, yes. And I knew what those things were because I educated myself. I listened to different podcasts. I heard many women's stories. I would Google every terminology that I didn't know. And I understood the benefits and the risks and alternatives of everything that I was asked, right? Which is important because in in a moment like that, you need to make decisions quickly, right? On top of the pain, on top of the the tiredness, yes, you need to kind of be aware of what they're asking. Yeah, and because, 
Right. And because midwives are not doctors, the only difference is they're not trained for surgical procedures. So that particular midwife did not have approval to go ahead and give me an episiotomy um, and do the vacuum assist. I've heard, I think some midwives might, I don't know, but it's also, they prefer that you break naturally and not cut you. But um, I gave, you know, consent, informed consent. She's like, all right, well, when you have contractions, that's when it's not going to hurt you. So when you have contractions, I'm just going to put some topical medicine. I'm going to inject you right here so that you don't feel it. And then you're going to push. And then when you push, I'll give you the cut. And then the next vacuum assist. And then she explained to me where to grab my, where to grab my legs from and how to push like a birthday cake, like blow out the candles <laughs> like that. And that's it. In 10 minutes, my baby was born. And that's all I needed was that additional assistance. And she drove all the way from a previous, another surgical procedure she was in just to help me. And um, yeah, it was, it was a very um, magical, empowering ass <laughs> um, situation. And given everything I knew about breastfeeding the first time, um, they checked him and then they gave him to me and I started breastfeeding him and to this day, he's 14 months this week, and we're still breastfeeding seamlessly. Not one cracked nipple, no blood, no pain. He's just my empowerment baby. Wow. This is, that's, that's a a very empowering story. Like, you know, you went from your first birth being a traumatic experience to the second one being like a full circle because um, you know, you could be. Do you feel like you kind of like compensated for your first birth and you did all those things for your second? Absolutely. I definitely felt like it was like the medicine that I needed to like compensate for all the pain that I felt. And ultimately, you know, some women may not like, I, I have clients that I help with their VBAC yeah. journey. And I recently had a client and she got, uh, she had to have surgery. She had to have a C-section because of her high blood pressure coming up at the, you know, right before, I think at 38 weeks or something. And, you know, she cried her emotions out and then she called me and she told me, you know what, Marido, the mindset that I have going into this and the education that I have going into this and the respect of, that I know everything happened to me it made all the difference. I am not traumatized because I have to have a repeat cesarean. I am not traumatized. I am healed because I understand what's going on to me. I understand the risks. I understand the benefits. And I am healed by having an empowering, gentle cesarean where her baby came out and they put her right on her chest and everything, even though it was a cesarean. So I just want women to know, like, it's just about you being respected and you need to understand how to navigate this system with respect and dignity for yourself and for your baby. Which is something that, you know, it, it also plays a lot with um, with race. Um, I feel like in hospitals and lately what has been happening around the country too, um, just heard about you know what happened to this woman like yes. on July second, yes. like her. Shaisha like, Washington. And yeah. 
So you can so, right? And I think it's 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 ridiculous. Like we we still don't know. One of the things that I was reading, um, one of she was really she was really fed up with the idea that her reason of death was childbirth and the doctor was trying to say well childbirth is not a reason you know it, it there must have been something else going on that could have been prevented and because of the way hospitals are um it wasn't it wasn't uh it, it wasn't t- it wasn't done on time for this person to save a life. And, and you know, going from a traumatic experience to an empowerment, I, I think it, it, it's the perfect thing. It's like you have to be educated. Don't leave it up to your doctors to tell you what are the mm-hmm. options. What, you know, if I do this, if you do this, in my case, I feel, and, and I still feel that up until this day, that I was told pretty much everything mm-hmm. that was, and, and it has a lot to do with the fact that I had a very traumatic experience going into pregnancy, and I was just like, right. whatever you say, <laughs> whatever you say, because I have never imagined myself being at this point at 32 weeks pregnant, and we're talking about a C-section, like that, that was the miracle in itself. But you know, mm-hmm. I, I wish if, if I would have if I would have had the chance to do this, uh, to do my first birth experience again, I think I would have changed. Now that I, that I know many things about, you know, options and what you just thought, what you just thought us about about the acronym, I think I, I I would be a better informed person. I was like, okay, so C section is the only way to go. That's fine, but why? Like, why can't we do this? Like, I remember my doctor telling me, well, one of the baby is rich. We have to do a C-section. That was it. Mm-hmm. He didn't explain to me what was the whole procedure about, um, you know, what I was going to feel like, what was going to happen after. Like, it was just, yeah, preach. Sorry, we can do anything. There's no space to move the baby around, so you're going to have a C-section. That was it. And that's the thing is that, he could have gotten you to make that decision without pressuring you in that way. And that's yeah. what bothers me is that if he would have just walked you through your benefits and risks, then you've been like, Oh, I'm not comfortable with those risks. Okay. I understand. Uh-huh. You know, like, but, but the fact that is that they're not having those conversations with us. And, you know, if we're going to be informed consumers, if we're going to look at where we put our money and what, and what ingredients are in our baby's food and what formula we want to use, and what breastfeeding bottle we want to use to preserve the nipple relationship, all this stuff that we put mind to. But none of us question the doctors and their, and their opinions, because ultimately, there are a million doctors in the world. What they're giving you is their opinion. They're not giving you the end-all, be-all. Mm-hmm. They're giving you their opinion. And if it's an opinion that you don't trust or have trust and respect with, then you should be questioning it and you should be looking for another doctor. And that's, and that's not the other thing I always compare with people buying home. Like you yeah. educate yourself about what is the biggest home, the how many hours does it last, the pixels, this and that. Because you want to take the best picture of uh, once your baby comes home. 
take yep. the time <laughs> to learn about your birth options, take the time about, you know, what your doctor is saying. If you don't understand something, um, you know, make him, make him or her repeat it. You were there for yeah. a reason. You know, it's not because that was the only doctor available. There are many other doctors. Yes, it has there's other factors that can uh, hinder the change of doctors when you don't like one. But you you can do you, you can do that. You have the choice. That's what it is. It's all about choices. And it's all about education. And I think that that's that's the wonderful about your story. Now you're gonna be a published author. Tell me about that. I am I am, and actually, um, I just got my copy today, and I'm gonna finish it after this podcast. So I'm super excited. Um, yes, it is called Diamond Mind because, just like a diamond, our minds need to be put through pressure sometimes to create that powerful diamond. And it's about women's resiliency stories and how the things that they have gone through have essentially been the medicine to you know, make them who they are today. And so I don't take back any of my difficult experiences, especially in my birth and my breastfeeding, because they have made me who I am today. And so that's why I was so excited to be part of this project. It's a book collaborative with nine other authors. We chapter and it comes out this, um, it comes out Wednesday, July 15th. So whenever this airs, it will likely be available. It'll be available on Amazon. And again, it's called The Diamond Mind. And it will also be all over my Instagram. So you can find me over at Mari underscore Vega. So that's M-A-R-I underscore V-E-G-A. I can. This network is so helpful. And actually, I am recently have become a chapter lead for the North Bergen um, chapter. And so we lead monthly support groups for women to talk about their cesarean and to hear other women's stories and to just become educated in this space and they're free and they're every third Tuesday of the month at 7 p.m. on Zoom um, and it, it does include northern New Jersey and Rockland County um, but you have to until, be you, until you until you run in the circles you don't know yeah I did not know that yeah. <laughs> I just like learning about this thing. yeah like, and so I started this journey of, of advocating and, and educating. Uh, it blows mom. your mind, right? It yeah, blows of your all mind. the things that you can find <laughs> just clicking yep. and wait and reading because that's the thing that we don't do either. Yeah, I'm gonna put all that information. I'm gonna put the link to I can. Um, one more question. One yes, more question yes, about yes. I can. Do you have to be in New Jersey? Or can, well, now with 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 Zoom with virtually. Um, through a virtual meeting, you can actually right. be anywhere, right? You don't have to be in a church at the Exactly. So ICANN is known for their in-person meetings, but exactly. Um, because of Zoom, I actually recently invited a few women to the last one, and I had women from California, uh, from Florida, um, and from, I think, like, upstate, you know, New York, and they were all on the call. So yeah, it is certainly now much more open. And it's something that I'm going to help them continue to think about as they move this forward. But there are many ICANN chapters and you can go to their website and they have a, a, a chapter locator and you can find out if your you know state has a chapter that's most relevant because what's, what's good about that is they will know the doctors 
the doulas, the midwives, and the hospitals. And they can give you, you can get that anecdotal feedback from the mamas themselves, which is much more trustworthy mm-hmm. than marketing. Yes, of course. When you go, this is, the, this is the thing. If you go to a restaurant, you don't go to the restaurant's website, you go to Yelp. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, same thing. Treat it as the same way. Yep. Okay, Mary. <laughs> Well, Alex, I feel like we could have talked about so many things. I feel like this became an empowering, like, birth story. Yes, you know but, Yes, you our, know. My, 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 my idea was first to talk about breastfeeding because breastfeeding week is about around the corner. But I think we're going to have to do another episode. It was because, you know, things changed so quickly in the past year. The whole anti-breast movement, and, mm-hmm. I, and I think that you've been really active about it. And, you know, I was like, no. Let's, 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 we can talk about breastfeeding another another time. I want I want I wanted to hear your story, and I wanted to and I wanted to make sure that people hear this um, this part of you that make them that is making you and shaping you to you know in, in this woman that you're becoming, and also what was the main reason that down there's a whole activism and activity because that that's that's how we 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 come to as mothers um you know how people say oh you're a mother now you want to teach everybody how to be one and you know Mm -hmm. that it's just that you see so much so much uh, i even i even get fed up and i think about it you see so much um, I can't even find a word in English. Uh, so much, There's a lot of ignorance. So much ignorance, yes. So this, much ignorance. That yep. you don't take the time. Like I said, if you take the time to read about all the specs from a new thing, or, or you're going to just things about reading about the new restaurants that are coming to town, then just take a little bit of time to read about something so important that is bringing the life into this world and you know and not just that it's just for you to feel and respect it at that point because when we become pregnant and this is the thing this is the thing that I was like when we become pregnant we are very untouchable oh no we even get the floor clean out so we don't flip or anything but once you start giving birth Mm -hmm. that's it you don't, you exist, you're in body. God. But <laughs> that's it. The most important, yes, the most the baby to be fine yeah. and the baby to move on and to leave and to have a life. But then you start, you start, you stop to exist at that point. At the first compassion, yeah. you stop to And that's one of the things that I always, I want to bring awareness and, and that I can actually uh, there has been a lot of studies with saying that, you know, a traumatic birth that you can trigger a lot of mental health issues afterwards uh, for many reasons. So that's, that's another show that we can do, but definitely I want to talk. I want to talk for rescue week, definitely we're going to talk about that. And I think that's it. Yeah. We can totally plan that. Absolutely. I'd love to come on and talk more yes. breastfeeding. <laughs> Sorry, I know. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I think I just saw another yes. Yes. mama 
just yesterday, I think she passed away, or maybe yeah, even from the today. UK. I, I'm um, still learning Saturday what happened from the UK. Yes. But there's not that yes. many details out, out there why uh, her mother actually just announced that she passed away and the baby passed mm-hmm. away. She was 38. She was a YouTube star, yeah. and so there's still not uh, that much info as to what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think if anyone listening is still like, oh, you know, what can I do next is what you can do is whether or not you're pregnant, you need to spread this information. Other women need to know. Everybody knows somebody who might be pregnant or might be considering their next pregnancy. And you can literally save their life by just teaching them how to get the information that they need to have the proper care and support. Uh, it's 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 an emergency, and I urge anyone listening to take proper action and share this information. Such a beautiful story. So much to tell. So much that was left to be told. And all I can say is that this story is packed with resiliency, empowerment, and enlightenment. And I thank you, Mari, if you're listening to this episode, uh, for your time and your dedication to be that voice of the many voices that we need uh, to bring our right for our birth stories to be respected in the way that we want it and, and I hope you continue in, in that quest and continue lightening and paving the way for the rest of us and, and for you guys thank you for listening to this episode and I'll see you on the next episode bye bye